Welcome to another episode of the Searchers Podcast. This is our 30th episode, and today I have <laughs> joining me, I have uh, Chris. What's up, everybody? How are you, sir? I'm good, Benjamin. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. That's good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's been um, been a couple weeks since you and I and Kevin have recorded, so it's nice to see your pretty face. Same to you, baby. BB. <laughs> so before we jump into the today's episode's topic, our, our review, since everyone already sees the title, they know what it is, but we'll, we'll wait a second. Uh, what have you been up to? What have you been doing? How was your Father's Day? Father's Day was lovely. It's a great weekend. I hung out, hung out with my girls and got to play some disc golf. And I actually took my oldest daughter to come with me, and she had she had a blast. Did anybody so, hit a hole in one? I had no aces, and I actually have no aces yet in my very short disc golfing career. Well, I expect one in the near future. You'll know about it if I get one. What is the yeah? I just for the listeners, I I, I played disc golf. I've never played on an actual course, like when they're at these free parks or whatever, but. Yes. What is like the standard? Like, all right, this is the par four or five. Like, what's the distance on this? 150 yards, 300 yards? I mean, it's not like real golf, right? It plays like golf with how the strokes are measured. Yeah, yeah. And how you get a birdie, hole in one, et cetera. Par, bogey. Par. So it depends. For most courses, it depends on. Like, what's a par five? What, like, what's the distance? Well,. That actually depends too on. I don't know if golf actually translates this way for if there's like a dog leg or if there's how many certain amount of turns or because a lot of disc golf you actually play in the woods. Not a lot of the courses are open like okay. in golf. Um, so I think par will change depending on that kind of difficulty because sometimes you'll be in the middle of trees. There's so, just trees, so you have to try to get around. Is a is a par? Are they par fives? Or is there par sevens? Is it? I mean, most of the courses I play. Well, so actually, two weeks ago I was in Vermont, and I played two of the best courses in the world. Vermont, ladies and gentlemen, Disc over golf. by Smuggler's the Capital Notch. Yes, <laughs> Smuggler's Notch has two of the highest rated courses in the world. You, and that's so like those. Playing, it's like you played at the Masters for golf. Exactly. Augusta. Well, and they're holding the world's. For for anybody even slightly interested in this, Smuggler's Notch is actually hosting the Disc Golf Worlds this year in August. So the pros are going to be playing there this hey, year. If, which I, if I was really a listener cool. of our podcast, I would be Googling that name right now and be like, I'm going to Disc Golf, baby. Yes. It's not only a beautiful area. Vermont's gorgeous up there. I mean, you're only, at, you're only an hour away from Canada where these courses are. Um, What's anyway, the, not to get too far. What, what's, topic, the, what's the but, closest airport? Where, where can people fly to? Airbnbs. Oh, come on, hit them up. Burlington is the closest airport. There you go. Flying to Burlington. It's. I don't know how big Burlington is though, because I've never actually flown into Burlington. So I, I'm so close to Vermont. I just drive. I expect that you get in contact with the uh, the disc golf pros and be like, please give us our marketing money because we just uh, advertise. We just sponsored you. you. Yeah. Well, they sponsored us. Uh, it's like if my oh, brother-in-law is listening, oh, he, so he'd be go. happy and proud. There you yeah, go. he'd be happy and proud because he's 
he's all over the scene and he's really good at it. So, so I think, um, yeah, the last thing we'll say about this, I have never played it. So you're the expert. So please explain if I'm wrong, but I think a big appeal for this is kind of like you buy the equipment and then it's kind of like, there's no cost besides driving to each place. Like there's not really a, maybe there's like a $5. Exactly. There's a fee, a small well, fee maybe. If you're going to play the intense, I say intense courses, but if you play courses like the ones at Smuggler's Notch, you're going to pay for every round. So like those courses, you have to pay somewhere between 10 and $20 to play around. Um, full 18 holes, but a lot of courses around like where I live, you don't need to pay a cost. A lot of them are free. Occasionally you'll come across one where you need to pay $5 for parking or something like that. But um, it's a great little hobby where you're hiking in the woods with a pack a backpack i carry a backpack full of discs because there are putters there are drivers there are mid-ranges um all the usual types of terminology they use for regular golf different shapes and size and weights i'm assuming sort of yeah and there's also different plastic molds there you go so the lip the lip of the disc is different it'll fall it'll fly different you have talk those discs that fade to me yeah they fade there's terminology that the disc golfers use like Anhauser. Um, What's that mean? <laughs> the way that the disc flies and the way it tilts. So if you're going to throw it, I actually think I said it wrong. I said Anhauser, Anheuser. It's An- Anheuser and I can't even think of the word that's opposite of Anheuser, but it's the way that it tilts when it flies. This sounds like slicing or fading and drawing for golf. Exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. those are the parallels so there you go well um, look at that we anyway just gave a very good five minute introduction to disc golfing i'm gonna name that that's gonna be the episode title disc golf disc golf baby uh, <laughs> um so what have, what have yeah you, how about you well i was gonna say what, what name like a movie or two that you've watched recently let's uh talk some oh, cinema me, me again okay all right I, i'll go after you well so I'll just say the ones I'm excited about. I watched two movies recently that I gave five stars to, which I hadn't give I hadn't given five stars out in a long time, probably in four months. I think like February since the first week of March. The great COVID week. <laughs> yes, exactly. And those two movies I really loved Abel Ferreira's Padre Pio. And I just watched a movie with my wife the other night called To Catch a Killer, starring Shailene Woodley and Ben Mendelsohn. And I, I really loved it. It blew me away. Shailene Woodley. Mm. Shailene. Ugh. Not a fan of her that much, but I did watch the uh, trailer after I saw your, after your, your rating came up on my feed. I was she, like, what? A five star? She impressed me with this. Not going to lie, I didn't have high expectations. Um, she's one of those actors that my wife and I catch the occasional movie for. Just because. Fair enough. And I like Ben Mendelsohn too, and it was just kind of a bonus that he was in it. Knew nothing about the director, knew nothing about the plot other than the fact that there's a killer on the loose. But it played... it it hit a lot of the right notes in my opinion. And I think it was done in a really good way. Cool. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad. Hey, whenever, whenever you or like normal people rate something five stars, not like some people we know, some people Uh rate five stars a little too much. Like, eh, 
like grain of salt. I don't, I don't trust you. But when you, when you and other people uh, do that, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll give it a shot sometime because that's a pretty high praise from a cert- from certain people. That means a lot. Agreed. Yeah. How about, so how about yourself? Tell me, is there something along the lines of disc golf that you've done recently? And <laughs> what are one or two movies that you want to throw out there? Well, uh, no, I just had a good, you know, this Father's Day weekend, spent it with my dad. Uh, well, one of the days and my brothers, well, one brother, uh, the other two are incognito. But yeah, we uh, we had a good time. Nothing. I mean, nothing crazy. And it was good. a good, good, long, long weekend. Thanks to our, our new holiday, <laughs> federal holiday. Yeah, I get off for work. New federal holiday. Juneteenth. Uh, cheers to that with my my. Modelo, not my Anheuser-Busch product, Bud Light. No one drinks that. That's why I said Anheuser. That's why. He just wanted to bring that up. Or Anheuser? No, I said Anheuser. Anheuser is correct. So I guess it is like the Bush brand. I'm drinking Modelo right now, people. There you go. <laughs> that, that was a fake one, Make Chris. the sound effect. Chris, go get a beer. <laughs> I'm going to crack open my ice-cold water. Only one dollar. Got an ice-cold water. That's a Baltimore... Uh, thing there was a famous man who used to sell water outside of orioles and ravens games and that's what he, his chant was and he did it out of like otakon that that moved to dc but when it was in baltimore that guy was just always posted i never went to it but he was always apparently my friends told me he was always posted up for any events downtown and uh everyone would hear that chant but yeah sorry a little bit of a tangent on our t- tangent sorry. i'm tangenting on a tangent i watched in the past three days, well, t- no, two days, yesterday and the day before, I watched all six Star Trek, the original motion picture, oh, the original series, the, starting with the motion picture, to Undiscovered Country, all those movies, all six of them. Watched them all, because I'm crazy, and I got the Blu-ray, mm-hmm. the, the Paramount 10-disc set of uh, that, the Next Generation movies, and then... I think there's a yeah, the crossover, which is generations. So I've watched the first six. I'm going to continue on my road and then I'll stop way before the JJ Abrams bullshit. But, uh, yeah. Oh, shots fired. Yeah. That's stuff. That's, that's some, real uh, quick. Some garbaggio. <laughs> real quick. Out of the six you've seen, name the best one and the worst one in your opinion. Okay. So I do think, there, there is some contention between the fans, but most people, I think, that the motion picture, Star Star Trek, the motion picture, nineteen seventy eight or nine, is the weakest, and I agree with that opinion. I just think it's way too, it's way too long for how it's way too slow and way too long, in my opinion. And there's not really like a quote unquote bad guy, so that's a really short explanation as to why I don't like that one. And I think the the last one um, is nostalgic for me. I watched it as a kid with like my uncles and my dad. So, and it's still good. Um, there's a little bit of like a Cold War, excuse me. There's a Cold War uh, thing going on with you know, it. Came out in '91, so it, like the fall of the Berlin Wall and all that stuff. It, it's kind right of there. yeah. It, it kind of they kind of took the politics and put it in there, but it doesn't really make the story bad. And it has Christopher Plummer is the uh, villain, so you know you got some good. Uh, good acting chops there hamming it up nice as a as a yep. as a cleon and then uh yeah i just i like that one the best but i i do think the voyage home is a close second which is the one with the whales 
<laughs> as I said okay. in, my, in my review. But uh, yeah, that's uh, we'll we'll cut it off there. I'll, I'll I'll tangent too long. So yes, to the main event. I think it's it's time. Yeah, time time to crack open why everyone tuned into our episode and not listening to our BS, right? No, we we they love it. They love it. Disc golf, they love us. Star, Star Trek, you know, whatever. Today's episode, as you can tell from the title, as long as we're not titling this episode Disc Golf or something. We'll see. We are covering the Abyss Kiarostami film from 2010 titled Certified Copy. And this was my pick. And I chose the movie. Was it Was it your pick? Te- technically? <laughs> oh, I see what you're I see what you're Chris, doing. Chris gave me some options and uh he he narrowed it down. And I kind of I kind of was like, yeah, this this sounds good. And I was in Italy. I'm going to I'll plug it again. I was in Italy at the time and I'm like, the movie's set in, it's set in Italy. We're doing it. It's perfect. It's relevant for Ben. And it was an option that I presented to him. So it was, yeah, it was a combined pick. Yes. For sure. For sure. It was Chris. And Chris's I pick. had. Fair enough. I suggested the movie. Yep. Because it is by, directed by Kiarostami. And it was available on Tubi. Still available on Tubi. Yes. As of this recording. Yes. And I personally in five films approximately into his career and i have yet to be disappointed i think he's a very consistently strong filmmaker hasn't totally floored me i guess with you know if we're talking five star ratings here but he's very consistent and it's always had he's always made a solid movie um so let me ask you with that benjamin what have you seen from abbas kiarostami Back in my brief, and when I say brief, it was a year long, but I subscribed to Criterion Channel. I watched Close Up, which I don't even remember the year. I think it's in the 70s, maybe. Late 70s, 78, 79 time frame. Actually, no. It's 80s? It's 1990. Really? Really? I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe maybe one of his most famous movies is in the 70s. I don't know. It's been three years. It didn't. I was going to back you up there and at least say that I think the photography sort of looks older than when the movie came out. Well, yeah, he's going for some kind of like documentary film style. So maybe that's influencing the uh, again. It's been three years. I barely remember it. I think I I think I wrote a review on Letterboxd. Don't remember what I said. I don't. I would lie and say I, I don't remember the rating, but but I just recently looked up his uh his profile to find it. And I, I think I rated it a seven. So seven, a 2020 a, a COVID year seven might not be reliable rating. I don't have to go rewatch it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm not unfamiliar. I had a Iranian, not Iranian, like some Americans would say Iranian uh, roommate in college. So I kind of learned some of the Farsi stuff and, I, I brought this up to him at the time three years ago. I still keep in touch. Um, he li- cool. he's he's a he's an American citizen now, but uh, yeah, went to college with him, obviously. And uh, you can just you can call him Persian; they prefer that. <laughs> so, Kiri- Abbas Kiriostami is a Persian filmmaker, not an Iranian. 
He doesn't. I don't even think he lives there anymore. I think he lives in Italy. That's. I think that's or somewhere else. Maybe. Maybe that's why he. He, made... he was until he passed away. He died. Yeah, he's no longer with us. But he was when living did, in Italy. When did he uh, pass away? Twenty sixteen. Hmm. I did not know that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just. Uh, I've watched the movie. It's eight twenty six p.m. on the twentieth twentieth of June, and I watched the movie two hours ago. So I finished it two hours ago. So not uh, much, not much research done, but yes, I'm not unfamiliar with uh, Kiriostami's filmography. This will be my second. Uh, I would watch more. Uh, he doesn't. That's good. I yeah. I, was, I would say that's good that you're not like disappointed or anything, and. I, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of, uh, we already told people go, it's, it's like what, 20 minutes in the recording, yeah. go, go on Tubi, watch the movie. It's pre, it's fairly popular. It, this might be the most popular movie we've covered in like three or four months besides tra- the stuff on trading uh, post. Yes. But go watch the movie. If you're interested, it's not hard to get. I, I rented, I rented mine. Uh, cause I, I forgot it was on Tubi. I think I knew that and then forgot, but. I paid the money to not sit through the ad. So whatever. It's all good. There you go. Um, yeah, it's on Amazon, but not, not on Prime. But yeah, go watch it on Tubi. Um, spoilers are coming. We're going to spoil everything. So. Going to yeah. unload. Yeah, it's a, it's an art house drama. Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to actually ask you, like, this is art house, right? This is totally art, art This house. is art house. Yes, yeah, uh, so let's snap our fingers, bro. Can someone, yeah. Can can someone like explain to me what this art house stuff is, man? No, it's uh, art house is not my, it's not my cup of cafe. It's uh, Chris's. Yes, uh, uh, they drank coffee in the uh, in the movie, so that's why I was saying it that way in Italian because I'm Italian now because I went to Italia. Come on, they drink lots of coffee in this movie. Chris's wife is doing laundry. Yes. Clean those clothes. Yes, Chris's underwear dirty <laughs> after he lost that disc yes. golf game. <laughs> yes, he's so mad. Uh, Thank you, Ben. No, I, I'm just messing with you. So yeah, yeah, I, I was. I'm not. I'll save my rating for the end. But I was scared that I was gonna like not like it, and then be like, I knew you would like it, and I, I knew you were gonna like it because I just saw all your ratings for his other stuff, and it, it's. It's definitely, a, it, it's it's a certain vein of cinema, for, and it's not gonna for some people. That's just not gonna be their thing. So exactly, and all of his movies that I've seen so far are in are in this vein. They're they have aspect to them that is philosophical in its nature, very thought provoking. Makes you think about it for a while after you've seen it. At least that's my experience. And the themes and the content are what you see his movies for. I would say second to that would be some of his camera angles that he implements. Yeah, I like the, I uh, the cinematography. Yeah, and I don't think he goes too crazy in that regard, but he's very smart and he's very efficient with... And simple. I think simple is the right word. He's very simple with what he does. Yeah, it, he has good it, framing. It, it, it's not like crazy camera movement or anything. He's just very. Uh, I I, th- I think the word would be like, though the two words would be like artistically efficient. 
per perfect. Yeah. So, uh, Karastami directed. He also wrote the screenplay with a woman named Caroline Elyachev, if that's pronounced correctly. No idea it's who produced, that is. Also produced by Kiarostami and a bunch of others. His cinematography was done by Luca Bigazzi. And editing was done by a relative, Baman Kiarostami. I don't know if that's a brother, a sister, or what. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a relative. I would assume it's his brother, but maybe it's his son. I'm not sure. From here, I think we can just name the plot or go go through the plot, which is literally just one line that I found off of uh, Blu-ray.com. It's because we typically try to get these off the Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I don't own do the Blu-ray, so that's fine. Neither do I. So would you like to read the one line, sir? Uh, Sure. A British author and a French art gallery owner form an intimate bond after a chance meeting in a quaint southern Tuscan village. It says Tuscany village. That's not how you say that, but that's incorrect. Great Blu-ray.com uh, synopsis. Uh, but yeah, it, hardcore. It, that's really, really surface level. That barely describes what the hell you you witness. I mean. So it really uh, does, considering that halfway through the movie, or actually even more than halfway through the movie, there's this really crazy shift that happens. And while I was watching it, it made me think, like, did I miss something significant that happened that? You know what I mean? It's very um, abrupt and it's kind of I don't know what time marker it happens at, if it's like exactly half or whatever, but it feels longer than half um i, I think it's pretty, mm -hmm. i think it's relatively close like 40 50 minutes in so it's not a two hour it's less than two hours so it's it's somewhere very close to halfway and yeah it, they're just like talking and something happens and uh i don't know do we want to like kind of backtrack and go through the synopsis yeah. or the plot a little bit or i mean it's i think it's like to try to explain it, it's super plot heavy because you have to kind of explain every little interaction. So I, I don't think we need to do that. But no, I don't think we need to do that. Basically, the movie covers what you need to know is the movie covers this theme where it branches out into a million different smaller sub themes. But the main theme is Kiarostami is asking the question, which he actually started when he made the movie you mentioned, Close Up, in 1990, he, he sort of harkens back to that movie with the theme here, which is, what is original? Whether you're talking about art or aspects of reality, and the characters, the couple that's mentioned in the really short plot synopsis is juggling authentication and things that are copies of something that's supposedly authentic. And they talk about, they, they interact with each other and they get into certain instances and circumstances that all hinder around this idea of imitation. Because art is ultimately an imitation of reality. Or, as Kiarostami, I think, tries to hint at, you flip that around is life an imitation of art. Yeah. So you want to add anything to that? Uh, 
yeah right before i do that um we forgot to say that yeah this is starring juliette binoche and william shimmel there or Sh- sorry william shimmel and he's like an opera singer or something so that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. um, yes yes he is yeah so William Shimmel plays a author named James Miller, who in the beginning of the movie starts out by he's at a book signing for one of his books and the book is called certified copy. And so his whole, like what, what Chris just kind of said is his whole like thesis in this book is that like, there is no like, like certified copy is kind of like a, like a, you know, a non-starter because everybody bases everything off of, um, something else so like da vinci is it leonardo da vinci did the um mona lisa right yes yeah i think it's i didn't see the mona lisa in italy it's i think it's in the louvre so but yeah my whole point was the character brings the mona lisa up at one point because he's like well isn't is the mona lisa even really an original like the original is the woman like you know getting all philosophical right. all philosophical so yeah there's this whole like back and forth on what's original and what's not and then so the first part is like the author and this woman who owns a store kind of going back and forth on this topic and then halfway through it kind of like goes into it it moves on from art and like you know pieces of art that people create to like human relationships yes and it's super meta uh, I kind of don't want to steal your thunder, so I want to like before I go further. Oh no, please! No, no. Before I go into that, I I, I insist. I, I want you to like, kind of continue on what you were saying if you if you want to, because I kind of thinking about it. It's only been two hours since I finished it, and this is like a, this is easily a movie you'd probably need to see twice to kind of get everything that's going on. Um. So yeah. I, before I spoil what I think can be the the reading or the the audience you know perception at the end uh, i'd like to hear more of what you think chris sure well to go off of what you just said regarding the mona lisa for example and how the author the gentleman says uh schimmel's character says oh but what about the lady the lady was actually the original there's another example that happens pretty early on where they're walking through a museum and then they see a portrait that was once thought to be the actual original for years. But the museum worker ends up explaining that this, that what people thought was the original is actually a copy of the original. Yet after they discovered that the museum still kept that copied piece for people to see. And that whole thing that whole circumstance continues the conversation between the woman and the man, uh, Benoche's character and Schimmel's character about how people perceive art. So is the value of art in the actual object itself or is the value in the, the person who's seeing the art and what they actually take away from it, which ends up connecting to what you mentioned, Ben, about how the second half of the film goes into their personal relationship. Because then, instead of what we're looking at in art, we're looking at a relationship and how these two characters are looking at their relationship 
in the lens of how other people handle the relationships versus how they personally, like individually should view their relationships and how what they see in each other tempers a certain value. Does that make sense? Like every person has a value that they see and that they take away in a relationship. And I think Kiarostami is trying to relay that and tie those two things together on top of also tying back to his original question of art, like is art imitating life or is life imitating art? And I think that, I think there's a lot of layers to this. It just, it goes back and forth so well. Yeah. It it has this whole argument about I have the beholder. I may see something as beautiful and you may say it's, you know, crap or vice versa. And the whole critiquing of movies, for example, would go into this. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole conversation for another day, but there's a lot of, you know, objective versus subjective arguments that can be made for anything. And art's just one facet. So, I think this movie is like kind of super meta because you know, they're talking about art and then they're going back and forth and we forgot to met well, we kind of mentioned it in the synopsis, the lady's French and Juliette Binoche is French. She speaks French. She has a son who's she speaks French too. James Miller played by uh Schimmel, William Schimmel, the opera singer, the baritone opera singer. I I kind of want to go listen to this guy sing now after the we record. Me too. Um mm-hmm. He's English, so you got two languages, and they're in Italy. So there's three languages, and then it's made by a Persian guy. So, like, what the hell's going on here? Very multicultural. And to add to that, Binoche's character, well, she herself speaks all three languages. She speaks Italian, she speaks French, and she speaks English. Yeah, and the whole, like, everyone's kind of got a different perspective depending upon where they're from with the whole, you know, an English person obviously is not the same as an Italian person. Their cultures are completely different, even though they might seem slightly similar. They're, they're not. And the same with the French and obviously Iranians are completely different, uh, than all three of those. Um, well, yeah, the the three European cultures. So there's that layer. There's the, the relationship layer. And I guess we'll just come out and I'll, I'll just start talking about it. So, they go through these, all these arguments. She's, she's meeting this author that she wanted to get her book signed by. They're driving through Tuscany and she takes, she's taking him to Luciano, which yes, (laughs) I'll, before I keep going, you and I were talking about what movie to cover. And so I was staying in Montepulciano and we were going to Florence and you're like, Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. And I'm like, okay. And then I saw like, Oh, it's set in Luciano. So like on the way back when we were coming back from Florence, I like kind of was like, all right, guys, we need to drive through this place. So I, I got the drive through this the town. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't get to get out because it was a really long. We did a whole we stayed a night in Florence and it was a, a you know, two hour drive. But we we got the drive through. I got the I got the drive through it. Pictures don't do it justice. It's, you know, quaint up on the hill kind of town. Very cool. So I thought that was cool. But yes, they go to this. Yeah. They go to this town in Tuscany and 
what starts out as like a friendly back and forth just starts getting more hostile and hostile and they keep clashing and eventually they get to this coffee shop and which again uh the cultures again when you're when you go to italy you don't order a coffee you know like that's very american very english thing to do like you get a cappuccino or a espresso something like that like you don't get a black coffee like that's not a thing so that's the the english guy gets the black coffee she gets a cappuccino they're arguing and then there's just kind of just like this switch that goes off and um it's caused by a the the patron you know the the host or the you know the coffee i don't know what you even call her not barista but she's like the owner of the shop uh the author answers a james miller is the is the character's name he answers a phone call and he walks outside and she's and binoche is keeps looking at him at the window and then there's this conversation between the owner of the the place and binoche about like oh your husband seems like a nice guy and like from that point on from from that point on there's this little like there's this little conversation about like oh like hey the woman thinks that we're married and like haha like she she only speaks italian and then yes they oh they just start talking like they're man and they're they're man and wife or you know husband it's and such wife. a role play they they take on the roles that because binoche never corrected the waitress or the owner of the cafe so she, she sort of played so, along so with she's it. she's playing along with it first and then she's like you know binoche is like telling him in uh english like hey this lady thinks we're married and he's like well you know he's like answer for me and they're not he's not really saying like we're not married it's it's weird yes and yes it's very very weird but to to slip this in really quick to go off the language point is language and to go back to the tie to the theme of the movie here language is literally a form that's meant to be translated so then you have when you have this movie that's talking about copies and what's original and what's not this whole language barrier is is its own subcategory because you have when someone translates another language you have aspects of that original language that may have been lost you have interpreters basically take on their own es- essence or meaning from something that was original right so, so, so I, I have the beholder like everyone's eye of the beholder cultures everyone sees something differently right and this t- ties into this pivotal moment at the cafe that you're talking about because she binoche takes on the role and sort of so does shimmel sort of because like you said he doesn't deny it he's like he's playful at the beginning like he not, well, not playful he's like all right like fine like i'll pretend and then he starts like he's like yes. oh like I'm an English guy, but I learned a little bit of French. So then he starts talking to her in French, like out of nowhere. You're like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. crazy. And yeah, I apologize for my like ass backwards explanation. This movie is up until that point. This movie is like kind of normal. There's a little bit of interesting camera work. There's the, before we started recording, we were talking about the, uh, the car ride, the shots with the reflection off the windshield and the, the amazing, the, the uh, buildings on either side of them. And, there's this little like you know made up wall in between them. It's it's very cool, very you know looks good, interesting camera angles. But then it just gets to this point and just goes fucking bonkers. I mean, it, it does because yeah, I, I, there's this whole little backstory with 
how they're talking and and james miller the character is saying like hey like i witnessed this woman and her son and like he's obviously eventually you kind of get the idea that it, she's talking about Benoche, uh juliet Benoche. uh does she have a name is it l i feel like they didn't say her l. name i feel like they didn't they, say it. i don't think they do but she's billed as l okay so the woman whatever she starts crying so like there's this kind of implied like well he's talking about me there's all this crazy stuff going on and then they role play for a long time and i'm just going to go into my theory now just to see if it spurs a, a, oh, little, a good little conversation yeah. i think that he actually was the the guy the kid's dad like that's kind of again it's anybody can think one way or the other that's the whole point i get it like but it makes sense and there's this little at the beginning of the movie, um, Elle and her son are arguing at a shop after he, after the son makes her leave the book signing early and embarrasses her in front of everyone. And like, he mentions something about a surname. Like mm -hmm. there's these little like drop, they, there's these little just like hints, like, you know, it kind of points to like, it could be that it could be this. And then the end of the movie, I mean, it's not really happy. So I, I want to say that the guy was, they were involved and he was like, you know, on his phone with his wife the entire time whenever he took a call. Took the call. Yeah. That this generational aspect with with Elle's son potentially being. The son also of the author. I think brings up an interesting idea, too, that Kirstami is trying to touch upon with. Our. Is our progeny copies of ourselves you know traditionally speaking so there's this interesting thing too they, they talk about this a little bit like how how l is concerned about her son not having that father figure around um and i think it's just interesting to tie that into how how children are raised like their parents copies versus originals right so it's another it's just a whole other aspect to look at this thing not sure i'm doing it justice right now but yeah. it's certainly relevant there's a bunch of, of different of angles what... there's a yeah, bunch of different exactly. angles but you get you get the italian lady who who runs the coffee shop you get these this random couple who uh this random couple at at the i, I don't know what you really want to call it it's, just, it's a square at luciano the, the town when they're looking uh, at the they're, statue. They're, so there's the Italian woman. There's the French couple that thinks they're husband and wife. There's the Italian. Yes. There's the group of Italian people that are all getting married at this town. on, on It's on a Sunday in Luciano. Apparently, uh, these people go and get their like their wedding portraits taken with this golden piece of this golden tree. That's a piece of art um, that you can look up online. Like I think it's Lu the Luciano Museo, which is museum. Um, mm hmm. So everyone thinks they're married, you know, all these different cultures, all these different people. I, I just, that's why I think they are too. It's just kind of too on the nose. I mean, and the way they, out of nowhere, they just start acting like they, they know each other. I just think they, that maybe it was repressed relationship was repressed in the beginning and things, one thing led to another. And there's the whole little uh, conversation in the car about like, he's signing the book for like, uh, L's sister 
And it's almost yes. like he's like it's he's writing a note like and she gets mad at him because he writes a note and it kind of like like he knows her, you know? It, right. I don't know. It's just kind of a, a lot of convenient things to not be that not be the conclusion for me. So that's what I'm going with. Well, it makes you think too, which half of the movie is the authentic half. Is it is it the first half where the this couple is merely seen as an acquaintance and they're discussing all these ideas casually while they're on their little adventure? Or is the real them this this second half of the movie where they're loaded with visceral emotion and you're wondering, this is another little thing, at least for me, once that old man at the square gives uh, James Miller... William Schimmel's character advice. You're sort of wondering if he's ever going to put his hand on Benosha's shoulder. Like there's that there's that little there's that little moment he has, and it's pretty profound advice. And I was sort of being the romantic that I am. I was wondering if he was going to put his hand on her shoulder and come through with it. And then the rest of the movie happens. That was just another little thing oh we're not going to spoil that <laughs> if they does it i mean not. you want go ahead i mean no, i don't you can care talk about that i mean does he because isn't there like a little bit of there's like a framing where like there's a tree trunk in the way and yeah <laughs> i don't know it's, yeah. like, it's so like really like it's like tongue-in-cheek almost at that point like ha like he told him to do it but is he and i mean i think he did but i think he did too and I, I just kind of right before that scene that that's just jogging my memory since I didn't write down too many notes uh, for this one. There's a lot of just reflection photography in this. There's, there's use of mirrors everywhere. Every freaking scene he could, uh, Kiriostami did. Uh, he used a mirror or, a, you know, a window having two different images on it or the the motorcycle with the the two mirrors from the motorcycle well there's a mirror in front of the motorcycle and then there's the motorcycle mirror yes uh so there's a lot of examples of that and it's like a mirror is like you're you're looking at you're looking into it like do you like what you see is what you see like what other people see there's so many questions that reflections like, are imitations right it's yeah. this whole I mean, this existential this like identity crisis kind of thing going on with this this movie, and it, it, like talking about it with you is making it come out more, and it makes sense to me now. But like thinking about it, I'm like, like what is what even is this movie? Like, does it make sense? I agree. Well, while watching it, it was, it was, it started off like you said, really normal, and then when that moment happens, it became perplexing. But in a way where, like, I didn't want to look away or stop watching it. I wanted to see where it was going because it was, it was weird with how no one, like, the two characters, Binoche and Miller's, uh, Schimmel's characters, just started to play along with the whole thing. It was fascinating. And I want to mention one other scene when it's after that moment in the cafe. They go to another place to have dinner. And Binoche takes a minute to go to the restroom to pretty to make herself pretty for James Miller. 
And it's just another example of copies and imitations. When a woman puts on makeup, she's trying to imitate beauty or a version potentially of potentially a version of her younger self. She's trying to copy that essence. So it's another another example I wanted to at least hit upon while we're talking about it. When they first meet in her store, he goes down there and he's like the way that the camera angles framed and it's like pitch black with with like these little like accent lights like a, a I don't know if they're you know yes. however they are whatever they're on the ceiling or their side lights or whatever they're like on the the works of art I don't think on purpose I think it's for the movie but like mm-hmm. the way the camera's on James Miller his face it's like making him in the same essence as the sculpture and he's like is he you know is a human a work of art or like you know humans are made by humans you know very similar like they're perceived differently different like you know you look at somebody from the front and you look at them from the side view like you're looking at they yeah. look, people look different you know it's just, just kind of crazy per, you know what's your perception is your perception real is your perception right you know my perception of you know us looking at two different things we're not going to see the same thing because well, that's my opinion. Maybe maybe everyone thinks we are seeing the same thing. But <laughs> exactly. It's, exactly. It's crazy. It's like I said earlier, it's meta. It's hard to explain. It, it's definitely a uh, a thought piece. I mean, this is a, I think on Amazon, it said on Amazon under the movie for the, the marketing, it was like drama, philosophy or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, yes. So that's accurate. Yeah, that's accurate. I, I think we really hit everything. I mean, we could keep talking about this. And All right. Well, I'll let's probably let's, sound like we're let's keep talking about eating ourselves. Let's keep talking about yeah. it briefly. What? Um, OK. What's your favorite scene besides the one you already told me? I, I'm going to make you go somewhere different. Can't use the uh, car somewhere scene, different. Not the car scene. Yeah, so just for the folks listening now, my favorite scene I was telling Ben, I think it might be my favorite scene, is when they're in Benoche and Schimmel are in the car together after his book talk. And the camera, Jarostami focuses the camera on the windshield and it has a reflection that splits. It splits the architecture on both sides of the road. Meanwhile, they're having this conversation that continues what they were talking about before regarding um, authentic things that are authentic and things that are copies. And we're looking at reflections of the actual architecture in the small Italian village. So that was what I initially offered. I think the next best scene, in my opinion, is when she's talking to the waitress or the cafe owner. Yeah. And the whole reality around the movie and the character shifts oh so subtly it's better all right you heard it here first ladies this isn't my opinion these aren't my words but it's better to be married to a bad guy than not be married at all <laughs> the italian that was said the italian uh the, the old italian lady was like well you're married you're at least you're married like come on that's better than nothing such sage wisdom <laughs> I mean, I don't think she's wrong. I, I don't think it, you know, once you grow old, you don't want to be by yourself. I know plenty of old people that are, and they're not 
you know, they're always yeah complaining mm-hmm. about something. But so there is a, a, a part of truth to it. But it's just kind of funny how like that lady's perception of, oh, you're married. Like, that's great. And she's like, well, what? she knows she's not, but she plays into it. And she's like, well, what if it's what if he's an awful person? Like, you know, you don't know. It, it's just right. Kind of, it was you fun. don't know. It was just and that, that goes that goes to perception relates to our own experiences and what that adds up to ultimately our, yeah our point of reference is different than other people's you know you look at, you know, outside looking in you see somebody with a you know mansion and five awesome cars but you know maybe they're in two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt and they're gonna you know, so, so close to just like falling apart you don't know they look happy on the outside maybe maybe the, that person worked in the coal mine their whole life get all those fancy things i got the black lung pops lung pop. I was waiting for you to. Yes, I love it. Very good. Hey, I could do blue steel. <laughs> Ooh, can you? I'm sorry, I was born with this perfect bone structure. That my hair looks better done up with gel and mousse than hidden under a stupid hat with a light on it. Ladies and gentlemen, he's doing it right now. <laughs> oh yes. What is this? A center for ants? <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line in that movie. Or uh, it's it's. Classic. I'm taking. Cr- I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's me every day, folks. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you picked this movie. Well, we, we kind of joined, you know, we co-picked it. That's my perception. It was a, it was a my per- That's my team. perception. Um, yes. But it was just great being able to be there in Tuscany. And, and you know, I was there before the watching this movie. And I, was, I tried to watch all these movies, all these movies set in Italy before going there. And then you come back and your perceptions changed. And now you're like, oh, I know how that feels to be there. It's it's crazy. No, it, that's it's cool. It's great. I mean, I, I like the movie. I I don't think I'm going to guys. I, th- I think I failed all you listeners out there. I think Chris is going to be more positive than me on this movie. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we'll I'll see just, about that. I'll just have to 10 out of 10 it to beat him. But uh, <laughs> you no, won't do it. I won't do that. Yeah, it's not. I'm not gonna lie. Well, Ben, how about this? Let me let me throw this out there. If you liked what you saw here, and you're sort of lukewarm on your first Kiristami movie in close up, I recommend that your next one should be Taste of Cherry. Ooh, is that is that his most famous one on the letterbox? Is it? The it one? it it might be. I think it is. Is that a '70s movie or an '80s movie? That one's actually a '90s movie freaking changing my perception on things <laughs> i think you gotta shift your knowledge or your perception of kiarostami's filmography all, all like of his, a decade i'm gonna be like all, later all of his movies are in the 90s just everything's the 90s man <laughs> all his like didn't popular he, and acclaimed stuff is didn't in, like, he make, 90s. He, didn't he make stuff in the 70s though at some point he, did, he started in the 70s okay. yeah yes he did he started in the 70s but his acclaimed stuff from my point of view Oh yeah. From what I know, most of his acclaimed stuff is in the '90s. I disavow that point of view. Oh, you do. Well, this was 2010. I thought it was, you know, it was fairly good. Yes. How many art house movies in the in the 2010s are you like that was good? Like not many. I, I don't know. I'm not an art house fan, really. I, I couldn't. I'm an art house guy. I couldn't even tell you like five art house movies that i'm like yeah those are my favorite art house guys uh well 
that's sort of a loose term because I would consider something like Drive with Ryan Gosling Art House. Ooh, do you know? I, I would consider Art House something that's like kind of all tour driven and like low budget. It can't be like a hundred million dollar movie to be Art House. It's got like be like. This I agree point, with that. This point in time, probably 20, 25 mil or less. I mean, back in the 70s, it's probably like a $2 million movie. But yeah, it's low budget and not it's not mainstream for whatever reason. There's, I'm sure there's like horror art house movies that are just like bonkers. And then there's art house love movies. that It's not really a genre. It's just kind of like a umbrella term for movies that aren't mainstream i guess in my opinion maybe that's wrong but no i i think that's relatively accurate from my point of view that's what it is <laughs> from my point of view hey it's june me and chris are married i don't know you don't you don't know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not straight i'm gay with chris <laughs> i think we're releasing this in june are we that's all i have to say oh i thought so I'll just delay it. Not? I'll delay it a week. Put it on Fourth of July. Fuck it. Fourth of July weekend. No, no, it isn't June. So, I'm ready to wrap it up. Are you, Chris? To I am. I'm ready to rate. Hell yeah, man. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to go first so I can uh, sandbag and be more positive. I will. I will not sandbag. This is rigged, Chris. I I was just I'll plug it at the end of the uh at the end of the episode I'm the gonna episode? Plug, I'm gonna plug it but I'm gonna point it out now you you like to laugh a lot when I, we record but you're a silent laugher and I hate it it's it's awful for podcasting well I'm it, trying to put my laughs into the mic so I really hope I I, I laugh effort in this time laugh louder <laughs> that, that's just too that's too fake <laughs> is that better. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's picking it up, but no, I'll, I'll plug it afterwards. Why? Why I said that? Yes, you rate first. I'll go second. Sounds good. So, as I noted in the intro, when I was talking about Abbas Kiristami, out of ten, Chris, I, I've math. seen. Do math. I've seen. Thank you. I've seen five of his movies so far, and he has been solid and consistent, in my point of view. And this movie, Certified Copy, keeps that streak going. I think this would, this will increase if I was to ever rewatch it. And I think, you know, this isn't like an urgent rewatch, but I could see myself potentially throwing this on, I don't know, with the a wife? few years down the road. With the wife? Maybe. maybe. I, saw maybe that, with... I saw that hashtag on my yes, box. Yes. That's like a new one. New tag. You got like four. I gotta like I know, I've got to, I've got to backtrack and add all the movies that I've seen with my wife on that tag now. Oh, so that's not reality. You're lying to us all. I know. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a liar. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's good. Anyway, what's the rating? <laughs> um, <laughs> my rating for certified copy out of ten, seven out of ten. Yes. Yes. That means you can't be more positive than me. Oh, no way. 
Wait, I'm, uh, I'm also a seven. I'm a seven, baby. I was I was I was hovering between a six and a seven. I'm gonna go a with seven. a seven, just so you can't be more positive than me. Well, fair enough. It's a draw. Hey, searcher score is a seven. That's a recommend. Uh, if Kevin was here, it'd probably be higher because I know he loves all that shit. He'd be like, "Yo, it's awesome." He me, loves the our house scene. Let me let me write like a let me talk about it for an hour and a half with my bros, and then also write like a forty five page. Uh, review on letterbox about it <laughs> our boy our boy kevin is the best he he goes hard hard in the paint and he'll be listen- to death. he'll be listening to us talk about him in this episode in like two years so it's fine <laughs> mark it in your calendar <laughs> I, just, I just gave him shit recently i'm like dude you need to listen to the episodes because we talk about you a lot <laughs> like people Here know are. people know a lot about you <laughs> a lot more than you we- think <laughs> We have said some things about your person. And people might perceive them a certain way. I don't I don't know. You don't know what's real. And with that, folks. Who's that black? Is the... Who's black and who's not? And who's you know <laughs> J Rock to the ROC, you know what I'm saying? To the, R- to the rock pile. Rock pile. <laughs> what's that? What's yeah. that? What's that uh that alcohol that they make and that shit that those guys make is it is it called it's like rock oh, vodka. i can't remember rock vodka or it's some kind of vodka you might be right it's like blue vodka this here is rock vodka you know what i'm saying can i get a jaya shit comes in four delicious flavors you know what i'm saying blueberry banorch pizomegranate and apple cinnamon y'all delicious and tight as piss you know what i'm saying can i get a rock rock it's just crazy i love sponsored by the rock pile trailer park boys everyone we've talked about it so many on like so many episodes you have to go watch that show ever since uh, the old way episode yeah yeah Yeah. i'm saying no i'm saying all right well with that said i think that's a good that's a good length under an hour we didn't rant (laughs) damn it all right michael scott under an hour, everyone likes an hour-long episode, right? Or we can go for another 30 minutes. It's fine. Yeah. This is... It's about reality or not reality. It's just your perception of you things. You know, maybe if Have it's we a... Filled this if, it, if it's a three-hour episode, maybe it's only an hour, guys. <laughs> just keep listening. And we're just going to start... If you keep listening and we keep going, you and I are just going to start role-playing. <laughs> I don't know if they want that. Oh, we will live... We will live out the marriage, me, me and Chris. <laughs> Heck yeah. Oh yeah. With love that, it. with that, folks, I want to thank you for joining us here again for our review of Certified Copy on the Searchers Film Podcast. 30th Send episode. Send your mailbag. 30th episode. Oh, 30th episode. 3 History. <laughs> In the making. <laughs> yes. Send awesome. your mailbags into or to rather the searchers podcast at gmail.com please la- like rate and subscribe to us on spotify apple Podbean, etc etc hell yeah and uh the only announcement for next episode is we will be having a guest one of our friends mr joe wilson on the pod and oh uh, ben's throwing the name down it's gonna happen oh it's happening if 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 you and kevin betray me 
<laughs> we ha- we have a recording date. If you guys are not available, it's going to be me and Joe. <laughs> Top ten anime betrayals. We'll make it one. All right. Right. We can do anime. I'm good with that. Speaking of that, we're, you and I, I'm not going to say what it is, but you and I are supposed to do an anime. You're right. We are. And and that's that's it. We can't give any more to our listeners. We got to just tease them with the carrot and then drop the mic. Yeah. All right. That's enough. I, I don't even know if I can see you anymore. I don't know what I perceive. But, I don't even uh, know. But yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, another one in the books. Finger guns. Oh, <laughs> oh, no, I can't say it. I will. Uh, I have one more thing. I lied. Remember I said about your uh, your silent laughing. I have to plug one more thing. Do it. I can't give you the there. It hasn't released yet, but I'm going to give you I'm going to drop the, the name. My. Friends over at Watch This Movie podcast on Apple and on Podbean. I think they just migrated from Squarespace to Podbean. They invited me on and we. We did a review of a 90s action movie, and that will be dropping in the next week or two, I think they told me. So when it comes out, I'll be sure to put it in the next episode's notes. But yeah, be on the lookout for that. You should go follow those guys on Letterboxd. They're, uh, they're fun. They're fun to listen to, and they're, uh, they're from Minnesota, so they got that accent. I can't even do it. Not even going to try, but it's fun. Yes. So speaking of uh, different languages and stuff like that. <laughs> That Midwest languages, that Midwest accent. It's, it's a different language out there, guys. I mean, it's it's different. Just watch the movie Fargo, and you'll understand. Or watch Trailer Park Boys, and you'll get what it's oh. a boot. A boot. A boot. <laughs> you'll uh, you'll get two birds stoned at once. That way, it ain't rocket appliances. Word. Who wants to admit they ain't nine cans of ravioli? <laughs> ravioli. <laughs> Nobody. All right. All right, everybody. Last Italian episode for a few episodes at least. Maybe we'll do one in like three. Who knows? But uh, Ariba Derchi for me. Double pinched fingers. Thanks for listening to the Searchers Podcast. If you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies, you can find us on Letterboxd. Ben at Giant13, Chris at Ziglet underscore Mer, and me at Kevin Chan. Find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on searchersfilmpodcast.podbean.com. Until next time, people.